morning. Now, that was weak. Let's try it again. Good morning. All right. Yeah. Say it with some, some vitality and vigor. Yeah. There we go. Uh, well, uh, we want to welcome you to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. Uh, my name is Amos Williams, and I serve as the small group and outreach coordinator here at the Village Church. Uh, and we want to just uh, give you a couple of uh, announcements on today uh, to let you know about what's happening in the life of the Village Church. First of all, we want to welcome our guests who are joining us in person and uh, via Facebook Live. Uh, so thank you all for joining us on today. Thank you for the Village Church faithful uh, being here on today. So a couple of announcements. Uh, please continue to be in prayer for Pastor Alex and his family during his sabbatical. If you have any questions or concerns uh, that are urgent or uh, even not urgent, any questions that you have about the Village Church, about the uh, things that are happening in the life of the Village Church, please uh, feel free to reach out to our elders. And our elders can be contacted at uh, elders at elders at enterthevillage.net elders at enterthevillage.net we will be uh, uh, resuming uh, the um, kids and youth meetings uh, in the month of August Uh, 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 Mary Lindblom has uh, graciously volunteered uh, to uh, begin serving our kids Uh, so Uh, We look forward to that happening, so please be in prayer about that. And uh, Brother Lyle, who will be uh, preaching the word on today, uh, also graciously uh, volunteered uh, to serve our youth here at the Village Church. So we will be resuming uh, those activities in August. Now, if you are a guest here at the Village Church, uh, we want to connect with you. Uh, So there are... Uh, cards uh, that will be available for you to fill fill out uh, in the narthex on uh, the bookshelf uh, that's uh, located right next to the double doors. And so I'll be standing out there um, after the gathering, so uh, please feel free uh, to come and speak with me if you are a guest here at the Village Church. Uh, Our next Enter the Village class will be starting in September. Now, the Enter the Village class is for people who are interested in learning uh, more about the village church. It is a, it is a, it is the initial step towards church membership here at the village church also. So if you desire to join the church, uh, there is a sign-up sheet uh, that is located um, on the uh, bookshelf uh, next to the double doors. Or you can send an email to our uh, executive assistant uh, at Cynthia at enterthevillage.net. On today, uh, again, we welcome uh, Reverend Lyle Lee to the pulpit as we continue our sermons, uh, sermon series uh, through the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the text for today is Matthew 18, verses 1 through 14. So again, we want to connect with our people. We want to connect with our guests and uh, our members and Flocknote is the tool that we use to commu- to communicate with our members and our guests. It lets you decide what info you'd like to receive via email or text from the various ministry groups of our church. You can subscribe or unsubscribe at any time. And 
and there are two easy ways to connect. Uh, you can visit our church at flocknote.com forward slash the village church, or even easier, text join the mission, all one word, lowercase, join the mission to 84576. Now, at TVC, uh, we believe that the giving of tithes and offering uh, offerings is an act of worship. And you can give to the vision and mission of the Village Church uh, by uh, going on our church website at enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can also give by mailing a check uh, to our physical address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. And lastly, if you're here live and in person, uh, you can give by dropping your offering off in the uh, collection plate uh, at the back of the sanctuary. Lastly, be sure to follow us on uh, our various forms of social media, uh, which include Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I know that was a lot, but those are your announcements, and please govern yourselves accordingly. Again, if you have any questions, please see me or one of our elders, and we will give you, uh, we will direct you to the right place so you can get the information that you need. Uh, Here are words of preparation on today from John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's have a time of uh, silence uh, as we prepare uh, for the worship of God today. sisters, to exalt and exalt in you. God, I pray, Spirit, that you would center our hearts and minds on Christ's finished work at Calvary. Lord, let that be the center of our joy and our attention on this morning. So prepare us, Spirit, to hear your word and also to take what we hear today to our lives and to share it with others. It is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. Uh, Let's stand for our call to worship today. Our call to worship uh, is taken from uh, How Great Thou Art. Uh, I'll read the part that says leader and we'll read um, the rest all together. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art thou art. Uh, You may be seated. Uh, Father in heaven, we we praise you, we thank you, we give you the glory and honor because you are uh, 
the good and faithful God. Exodus 34 tells us that you are a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, that you keep steadfast love for thousands. You forgive iniquity and transgression and sin, uh, but you will by no means clear the guilty. Lord, since that is your character, since that is who you are, we put our hope and our trust and our faith in you. God, you are worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun into the setting of the same, you are worthy. You are the bright and morning star. You are the great I am. You are Alpha and Omega. You dwell in unapproachable light, and we praise and give thanks for who you are. Lord, you are good. You are gracious. And Lord, we ask that we would be mindful in this gathering of all the things that you've done for us as we, as your people, sing your praises, as we um, hear you, uh, hear praises through the preached word, God. I pray that we will remember all the things that you've done for us because you are worthy of praise. In the black church, they say, if you didn't do another thing for us. You've already done enough. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your shed blood, which is applied to all your believers, which makes us brothers and sisters. And that that alone makes you worthy of praise because you died. You took initiative to die for your enemies and make us your sons and daughters. So, Lord, we praise you. We give you honor all the glory. It is in Jesus' name that I do pray and give thanks. Amen. of sin. And uh, so I'll read part of Romans 6.23 for that, and then we'll have a, a few moments of silence to consider that and to repent and confess before God. For the wages of sin is death. of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next we'll read uh, a scripture passage from which the sermon will be based this morning and I'll read that as soon as I get to it. It's from Matthew chapter 18 
verses 1 through 14. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, say you, in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that one sheep that, than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for these words. I pray uh, one more time for Lyle uh, as he will be coming up to preach. Um, shortly about this text or based upon this text I pray that your spirit would be working in his mind, his heart and in the words he's prepared even now and make our hearts so that we can receive it and hear what you would say to us through this time thank you for your Holy Spirit being with us um, you say that it's even better that, you're, that you ascended so that your spirit could come and be with us so we thank you for that um Thank you for everybody who's gathered here. Thank you for each of us in our current situations. Uh, thank you for being with us in those. Uh, and I pray that if anybody here doesn't know you, that through this morning, through these words preached, uh, through things that we've already said and confessed, um, through the fellowship afterwards, that all this would serve to point them to you, that they would come to know you. Um, thank you for what this passage tells us about your heart that you value the little ones, the least of these, um, the people, the, the situations, things that we might overlook. Um, give us eyes to see in light of your kingdom and not just in our flesh. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All Well, thank you, Wesley for uh, praying for us and reading the text. And uh, thank you, Amos, for officiating and emceeing up to that point. <clears throat> it is a honor uh, 
to be before you all today. Uh, to my beautiful wife and son who are watching virtually, and to my mom and siblings who are no doubtly doing the same eventually, even if I have to send them uh, a recording from my phone after I screen record it for 40 minutes or so. Uh, uh, so uh, that's that. And then to the Village Church and the Village Church family, you guys are my family. You are my spiritual family. And in many ways, uh, many of you all are closer and have become closer than uh, blood family, which is how Christ um, expected it to be in many ways. And then also to our church leadership, um, the elders and deacons, and to our uh, new elders and deacons, uh, young, infant, uh, young and infant and uh, 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 newly installed elders and deacons, deacons, I'm excited for you all and your leadership here today. Uh, Amos has already told you all, so if you are new or you're a visitor <clears throat> and you haven't been able to keep up with things, our pastor is on sabbatical for a few months. Um, I think it's a few months, correct? And then we'll see how it goes. Okay, good. And I personally uh, worked with him for five years here at the church. I'm on staff with him, and I'm excited about uh, this break he is getting. Uh, this extended break is well much needed, and it is, uh, by my estimations, well-deserved. And so I'm glad that he and his family get much more time to rest and travel and enjoy one another. And I'm excited to have uh, to be here to be one of the preachers uh, to fill in for him. He could have easily found someone smarter, um, even better looking, um, but... Uh, they said, we'll put you up there and see how it goes, and I appreciate that. I'm also grateful for Amos and Wesley, who are also filling in uh, for Pastor Alex. Uh, I'm assuming Amos has uh, the seniority when it comes to the preaching uh, during this time. He'll have the most of it as well. Um, so he's, he'll be our interim bishop for now, and, uh, and I'll call uh, his, his wife, uh, Jessica, our interim first lady for now. So <clears throat> it is a honor and privilege to be before you all, um, but that privilege and honor uh, comes with, uh, as many preachers would agree, uh, it's trials, it's frustrations, it's heartaches as you work on these texts and as you pray about them and you are constantly getting cut both ways uh, as you're preparing them to present to others. And, and it's not always the easiest task to stand before a, any number of people, much less with a camera pointed at you, and, and you have zero room for error now, uh, because not only is the camera pointed at you, but it is live. And, uh, but that on top of many other more uh, serious uh, concerns uh, causes preaching to be uh, something that you have to do um, because Christ called you to do it. Uh, Paul makes that clear in many of his letters that he was called and essentially required to do this, not by choice all the times. Uh, James Massey and Gardner Taylor calls preaching a burdensome joy or the uh, sweet torture of Sunday morning. Uh, I've had that sweet torture on Saturday evenings. I've had that sweet torture on Monday mornings. Nevertheless, preaching can be 
a burdensome joy. And it's for that reason that I ask you all to pray for and with me right now. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for all the families here. Um, They look beautiful today. And I thank you that you give us a glimpse of your kingdom, uh, a, a, a small sample of what it's like to be in fellowship with you and a diverse body of believers. I pray for all those that are traveling during this Independence uh, Weekend and and those that are celebrating uh, the moment that the nation, this country, was able to celebrate its uh, freedom, that you will keep them safe and that you will guard their hearts and their eyes and their minds and that you will protect them from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, Amos has already given you all the text. Uh, Wesley has already read it. Our topic, uh, as I go through Matthew 18, both today and next Sunday, uh, the topic is uh, humility and forgiveness. Uh, The first 14 verses of Matthew 18 emphasizes to us and guides us on uh, what it looks like to be humble. Uh, The next portion of chapter 18 teaches us and gives us the image of what it's like to forgive. And so that is our overall topic for that two-sermon series, Humility and Forgiveness. The subtopic and the main focus for today's text, Matthew 18, 1 through 14, is children, sheep, and missing body parts. Uh, uh, When I submitted that text, I made sure that I told Cynthia to get approval from our session, our elders and deacons. So either they approved or they did not check their emails the last six days. Uh, Children, sheep, and missing body parts. Well, we're opening up uh, Matthew 18, verse 1 with the disciples coming to Jesus over something they've been debating. They are having an argument. They are having um, a uh, discussion over who is the greatest. Who is the greatest? And many of you all, maybe, maybe many of you all, when you read that, immediately thought the same thought I had when I read it, which is, well, it's obvious. Obviously, it's Peter. It's Peter, right? Why is there a debate about this? Clearly, it's Peter, right? Peter, in my mind, had already solidified the position. After all, if you go back in Matthew, Peter has been the one outspoken. Uh, If you go back in Matthew, was it not Peter who walked on water with Christ in chapter 14? Was it not Peter that spoke up when Jesus asked the question, Who do you say I am? And Peter's response was, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was the one that made that proclamation, that led Christ to say to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And he goes on and he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. It's another word for rock. And so he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What about Peter? 
Now, many scholars debate whether or not when Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church, if he's talking about on, on Peter the rock, or, or more than likely the foundation of the truth that Peter just said, you are the Christ, on this rock I'll build my church. But nevertheless, Peter's getting the keys to the kingdom. Nevertheless, whatever Peter binds on earth is going to be bound in heaven. What about Peter? Perhaps Peter lost this presumed and perplexing position after Jesus' attempt in chapter uh, 16 to foretell his death and resurrection. In in chapter 16, which is in Matthew, Jesus gives great details about what it's going to be like for him to be going through trial, for him to be offered up and crucified as a sacrifice, but that he would be raised from the dead. And Peter's response is, no way. I won't tolerate it. I won't let it happen. And Jesus' response to Peter is a shocking rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind on the things not of God, but on things of man. Now, my brothers and sisters at the Village Church, there are a lot of things that can cause you your leadership position in ministry. And uh, being called Satan by Jesus will be on that list. What about Peter? The disciples are arguing. They're arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom. And the question is, how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point where they're arguing and they're fussing over who is the greatest amongst them? Well, I have three things I want us to look at to help us get to this point. What uh, does this argument stem from? The first thing is simply looking at everything that happened in chapter 17. Now, our, our brother, uh, uh, Bishop Amos here, has done a great job uh, last Sunday of preaching on chapter 17. And in chapter 17, Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain with him, and they witness the transfiguration. They watched Jesus transform. They saw Elijah and Moses uh, attend the ceremony, and, and, and they were blown away. In chapter 17, Jesus cast out a demon that the disciples could not cast out. In chapter 17, Jesus once again prophesied his death and resurrection, and he even told the disciples, I'm excluded from paying the temple tax because my father owns the temple. In chapter 17, the disciples have seen Jesus' power, and they believe he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the king. And it's because they have seen this power, and it's because they have seen that he is the king, that they realize the kingdom is coming. Now the question is, who's who's next in line to the king? The kingdom is coming. The kingdom, they they have, their mind has been blown away. They really believe now he has the power. And so then they begin to argue. And this argument comes from a misunderstanding of that power and a misunderstanding of that kingdom. Do you understand power? 
Do you? Do you understand power? Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. Do you understand power? During the French Revolution, a proposition during the French National Convention stated, they must contemplate that a great responsibility is the inseparable result of a great power. In 1817, British member of the parliament, William Lamb, is recorded saying the possession of great power necessarily implies great responsibility. 1906, Winston Churchill indicated that the 